You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Mission Lab. My name is Camille Brace, and I'm here with my husband, Sean, and this is episode 43. So if you've been with us for 43 episodes, congratulations. You've stuck with us. That's awesome. Uh, today, we are talking about the secret missional weapon. But before we get into that, there's two things I wanted to do. I wanted to give a shout out to our friend, Russ, who's probably listening on his way to work right now. Shout out to Russ. He's a great what, friend what? of ours. Uh, Have a great day at work. Thanks for listening to Mission Lab. And the other thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to remind you to get your questions to us by Thursday, March 29. Um, You can email them to seanbrace at gmail.com or Twitter or Facebook or any one of those options. Yes. We already have questions coming in. Yes. Very good questions. I'm excited. Good questions. Yeah. So, and this is for our episode... On April 2. On April 2. Yes. So get those questions to us. Um, we've enjoyed what we have so far. So it's and looking good. a reminder, if your question gets selected, you will get entered into a drawing. And if you get chosen out of the drawing, you could win a free book. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Good. Excellent. Uh, so yeah, get those questions in by March 29. So today's episode, uh, the secret missional weapon. What is it, Sean? What is the secret missional weapon? I was hoping to ask you that, Camille. What is the secret (laughs) missional weapon? Um, that would be prayer. Prayer. Yeah. Does that sound kind of tacky? Like people, uh, that's, you know, yeah, we know about prayer. We've heard about prayer. Um, it might kind of sound a little cliche. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, it sounds like a little cliche. Um, now, I know, Camille, you're doing a lot of praying because you want winter to stop. <laughs> yeah, this is always my prayer this time of year here, yeah, yes. We hate to go on and on and on about the weather, but it is dragging on a little bit. And but it's normal. This is normal. No, this is this is a little. It's abnormal. normal. It's a little abnormal. <laughs> it's you, normal, people. It's this is what happens in March and Maine. I never like it, but this is what usually no, happens. Usually by now, I'd say <laughs> at least sixty to seventy percent of the time, it's not this cold in March, and we don't have this much snow on the ground. But nevertheless, so prayer. Um, yeah, it sounds like a cliche, but. I think we need to also make sure that people are fully aware of and persuaded by the importance of that. Yeah, kind of like a a reminder. Yeah, Um, because in many ways, prayer is the foundation to all that we do missionally. It's all that, you know, it's the foundation to all that we do when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to forming community. And we're not just mentioning this, at least I'm not, because I'm like, oh yeah, we better talk about prayer because if you're a Christian, you have to be a fan of prayer. Um, To me, prayer in many regards has become as important to me as breathing. 
Now, again, that sounds like a little like I'm embellishing it. I'm, I'm, you know, building it up more than it should be. But really for the last, I don't know, three or four years, prayer has really taken on a greater significance in my life. And I noticed that prayer is especially uh, active. My prayer life is especially active when I am deliberately seeking to be on mission towards others and blessing them. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that even though prayer is so significant and important, I often get into this issue where I overestimate my ability and I underestimate the Holy Spirit's ability. I often underestimate the Holy Spirit's ability. Yeah, that's what that's what I said. Yeah, I know. I wasn't I wasn't agreeing with your first part of your statement. I was agreeing with the second part. Oh, so you don't overestimate my abilities? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking more of my own, but if you want to take it to that level, you well, can. Well, what I mean by is is that like when I'm in when I'm discipling somebody and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh man, why aren't they getting what I'm trying to disciple them in? Why aren't they progressing and I like will drive myself crazy and I think man if I could only say it this way like if I could only learn how to present the information better or if I can only speak with more conviction or persuasion and if I just say it the right way or I put it the right way so I'm like frequently overestimating my role in discipleship and I'm underestimating the Holy Spirit's role. And I, and I and I just need to constantly remind myself that that I need to give this over to the Holy Spirit and allow him to do what only he can do. And I think along those lines, I think what happens the most often as far as like prayer for me in those situations God's always reminding me to just be patient. Like mm. he is faithful. Mm-hmm. He it's not our battle to win. It's not um it's not our fight, it's his. And I feel like when we do get caught up in those moments of of wanting things to move faster, of wanting to see more results, like something that was going through my head a couple nights ago was God is faithful. Like he is faithful. Um and he has proven that to me, you know, throughout my life. And so why would I not trust him in, you mm. know, now? Yeah. I mean, the reality is try as we might, we have absolutely no control over other human beings. I mean, you don't have to be a parent for very long to understand <laughs> that. Right. Today was a hard day, admittedly. Um, we won't go into that, but uh, we have no absolute no control over other human beings. And the sooner we can recognize that, the better off we'll be. But what that tells us is that if I can't control another human being, I need to, I need to surrender to some, something else outside of myself. Not that the Holy Spirit controls anybody either, but the Holy Spirit is always, always speaking to people's minds and hearts. And so... To me, prayer is just surrendering to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do and 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 saying, okay, God, I can't do anything here. I'm helpless. And in fact, I would say that that's what 
prayer is to some degree is just admitting your helplessness and surrendering over to a power that can bring help. Um, you know, discipleship, I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed, Camille, but it feels like a lot of times when we're discipling people, it feels like it's three steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, four steps back. Mm -hmm. And so it just like, to me, it causes me to go to my knees and be like, oh God, like I, I just want things to happen, but they're not happening. And I could try to manipulate people and try to twist their arm or try to, you know, impress them. But it ultimately has to be the Holy Spirit who speaks to hearts and convicts hearts and, um, you know, draws them into a place where they, you know, where, where the Holy Spirit wants them to be. So it, it calls for ultimate surrender. And I think that's, to me, one of the reasons why the missional approach, the incarnational missional approach is so sanctifying, if I could put it in those terms. And why because, do you think that? Well, just because I think traditional evangelistic approaches often leave less room for the Holy Spirit and more room for our methods and tactics. Like, you know, we get the right colored brochure and we lead people through a series of meetings in a you know. specific order that they're supposed to be yeah, in. I, I think I, I see what you're saying. I still think the Holy Spirit plays a role because there are people still being brought to Christ through those methods. Now yeah, yeah. younger generations that not that is not necessarily the case. But I mean I do see what you're saying. Um well no I'm not at all saying that that the Holy Spirit doesn't reach people through those methods. What I'm simply saying is that the incarnational approach is to some degree the ultimate low pressure um, method where you are simply coming alongside someone and not trying to use uh, tricky tactics to get them to do what you want them to do. You are just journeying with them, doing life with them, and leaving the results up to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we want to control the way the Holy Spirit leads people. But, you know, it might be that the Holy Spirit has different ideas in mind and he has a different agenda. And maybe it's not that this person would commit their life to Jesus 100% right now. But if we're surrendered, who knows what could happen 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 30 years from now when we're gone or you know not journeying with them yeah and i think the whole thing with prayer again is if you're hoping for a result and you're not seeing it i feel like god is that one who gives you the peace in that moment and that freedom to say you know what god i've chosen to be here i've chosen to be used by you um and and this is your child they're not, they're not mine. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to help them see a better picture of who you are. But ultimately, if I'm doing what God has asked me, that's all that I can do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like God gives like such a peace um, when we use prayer in his ministry. Mm -hmm. and, and, spe and specifically with missional outreach, 
Um, it's really neat to see like when I do open myself up for um, Christ to use me and I've specifically prayed that prayer, God, use me, like use me in ways that I don't even you know, know of, or that I've even, that I even haven't even thought of like every single time, like something happens. Maybe it's the next day. Maybe it's the next week. Maybe it's the next hour, but like, it's so awesome to see, um, God just opened doors. And I, you know, we've talked about like, you know, getting out in your community. We've talked about finding people of peace. We've talked about like, you know, blessing others. And some of you may be thinking, like, I don't know anyone. I still haven't done that. I'm not sure where to start. But literally, if you pray that prayer, God, use me today. Mm -hmm. Use me for your service. You will start to see doors open. And and for me, I kind of, it's kind of like a scary thing. But at the same time, it's exciting because you know that God will use you. It may be in a super small way. It may be in a really large way. You just... It's so neat to see where God like mm-hmm. is going to take you. Mm-hmm. Let me tell. Let me sh- share three quick stories. Okay. Wow. Three. Three one, stories. two, three. Quick, 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 quick. Okay. This one actually, the first one goes back to um, something I shared last week, and that is a few months ago. I was reading, flipping through my prayer journal. I have a prayer journal that I write by hand, and then I have one on my in my um, computer. We'll call it that, my iPad. And I was going back and looking from a, at a prayer from about two years ago. And in this prayer, I'm typing it out. I'm just saying to myself, God, give me a heart for people. All I want to do is read my books and write my articles and write <laughs> my books. And like, why can't I just have a heart for people? Now, what I want to clarify, and this actually is ironic because I wanted to clarify this last week but neglected to, I really like people. Let me let me clarify that. I love being around people, but for me, ministry was mostly about, again, writing, writing, reading, theology, theology. Uh, you know, coming up with you know, uh, studious sermons and all that. So I literally came up upon this prayer like three months ago, and I'm reading it. And I'm like, wow, God answered that prayer because now I go nuts if I'm not around people. Like I don't want to, I, I hardly read now. I do read still, but I compared to what I used to, it's like, if I'm sitting around too much for too long, I just want to go and be with people. So I was like, man, God, you changed my heart. You, you interceded. The Holy spirit worked on me, which actually led to another conviction. And I'll share this very quick story because I have shared it with our friend who does listen. I won't say who it was, but Um, I've already shared the story with him, so I I don't think it would be bad to share it. But um, there was uh, one of our friends who we hadn't connected with his family very Mm -hmm. much in a while. And after I I, um, read this prayer that had been answered in my life, I was like, you know what? Why don't I pray more for this family that we would be able to reconnect with them more? And so I'm praying this, praying this, praying this, praying this. And what do you know? like all of Maine loses its power like two days later. And those, that family actually showed up at our house to take showers in our, our shower. And I was like, wow, I guess you got to be careful what you pray for because, <laughs> because people will lose power. 
uh, if you mm. pray. But anyway, so it was like that's a to me that was a direct answer to prayer. And that was, was God answer prayer always as fast and as quick as that. Always. Not always. No, 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 no. And very rarely does he. I find you know I pray like in three days later the exact thing I'm praying for is happening. Uh, but story number three. Thank you for your patience, Camille. Yes. Story yes. number three. Um, probably about four years ago, I read a book, a very good book called Daring to Ask for More. And um, there's lots of inspiring stories in there about prayer and people whose lives were changed because of prayer and ch- whole churches that were revived and turned around because of prayer. And so I got all inspired and said, okay, our church is going to be a praying church. And I heard stories in this book about churches that would get up at like 4 a.m. and everyone would, you know, the elders would go and have a time of prayer. And by, you know, six months later, they had 200 people praying and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. And so I invited the church to come and have a time of prayer at 6 a.m., every Tuesday morning at the church building. Now, Camille, did you come? I did not choose to wake our children up. No, I chose so to stay the at the house first with our kids. week I went there, it was myself and about 12 other people. Pretty good for a church our side, size. Um, the next few weeks, yeah, there was maybe 10, 12 people. And then guess what happened? There was 5,000 people that showed up the next week. <laughs> no, there wasn't. There was like five. Eventually, there was like six, and then there was like five, and then there was three of us, and then there was my head elder and myself, and then eventually there was me. <laughs> A month later, we baptized Stop. 100,000 people. <laughs> No, 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 no. Um, literally for a couple of weeks, it was just me, 6 a.m. Now, listener, I'm sure what you're hoping to hear is that I have, I have faithfully gone there every Tuesday morning <laughs> at 6 a.m. And bada bing, bada boom, great things have happened. But summer came and we got our busy travel schedule. And I think some of us were like, well, I guess that didn't work. And eventually we didn't keep doing it. I didn't keep going. But as I look back on it, I said, well, wait a minute. Actually, it it worked in a way that I was not expecting. Because within a short time, my own heart started changing about my own ministry. And it was not long after that we started learning about what it means to be truly God's people on mission. And in an unexpected way as well, it has, even though we don't have more people coming right now, we haven't, you know, made tons of disciples that we know of. um, It has brought our church to a place where our church amazingly without exception everyone i talk to recognizes that we need major change which to me is a miracle 
like that you would have a whole congregation that says, okay, things need to change because we're not at a good place right now as a congregation. We need to move forward into a different place. So like to me, it was a success success story. Yeah. yeah. And if any of you guys are looking for concrete ways um, to look at your prayer life, uh, I just actually saw something that my roommate from Southwestern Adventist University, where I went to college, um, my roommate Tasha, who lives in Florida, um, she had just put some, put something on social media last week, and what she had started doing is she had started a kind of like a prayer diary of sorts or a prayer journal, um, and she had started writing down her prayer requests or her praises or whatever it may be, and then she had used highlighter, like in different colors, to show like how God had answered those. Mm. So, you know, she'd highlight in pink, you know, ones that God had, you know, answered or, you know, I I don't know the whole process, but I thought, oh, wow, what a really cool concrete way to see how God has answered prayers, where he's moving. Because I think a lot of the time we look at our prayer life or we get, we'll have a day or we'll have a week or a month and we're just so discouraged about like where God's leading or what he's doing or, you know, how is anything happening? But in the past, when I have done like prayer journaling, which has been a while um, from now, it is just so awesome. You don't, you don't even realize the prayers that you have prayed and then how God has, has answered them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people who are a little bit more concrete, like myself, and kind of like to see those, um, and even if you're not concrete, it just really gives a great uh, diagram and a great like outlook to see the black and white of of what you've prayed for how it's been answered or maybe it hasn't been answered yet just really really um neat idea Mm, yeah absolutely and for me just to make it clear like i may mention before to me prayer is not even a question like oh should i pray should i not pray it's it's just something that is automatic because i came to a place again four or five years ago where i felt absolutely helpless And I was like, what else can I do but pray? Like when you have no other options, you just like if if your child was if your child tragically had cancer, I bet you would not think twice about praying. You'd be like pleading, God, please, you know, intercede for my child. So um, I like how one author put it, a, a Norwegian author where he says those only those who are helpless can truly play pray so helpless helplessness is the necessary uh prerequisite for prayer in many ways now before we close there is one huge caveat here which is which is prayer what cannot be used as an excuse for inaction. As an excuse for inaction. What do we mean by that exactly? You know, that you don't need to change. Um, just the Holy Spirit's going to do everything. You know, that type of mm-hmm. mentality. Yeah. I, I hear people express to me when we talk about, you know, reorienting our lives for mission, reorienting our churches for community, the response will often be, oh, you know, we just need to pray more. 
And it often, like, like we said, is often used as an excuse for inaction. Like, you know what? We're going to change our worship service. We're going to have grizzly bears come and preach. I'm just using an extreme example. And the response will be, oh, no, no. Oh, is we- that an extreme example? <laughs> Oh no no no! We don't. You know what we what we really need is just to pray more. What we really need to do is just we need the Holy Spirit. And um, to me, it's often used as a as a as an excuse to not make the necessary changes. In it's order, almost to, like a stall tactic. Oh well, yeah, yeah, let's pray about it, and, and yeah. then nothing ever actually happens. So again, just don't use prayer as an excuse for inaction. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to get very practical because we tried now a whole, this is a whole other story about what's going on with our church. But one of the things we did, we mentioned before we had round tables and we, uh, when people came for Sabbath services, we, uh, we're just going to have people sitting at round tables. We're going to have a more relational service. And some of the concern was, well, do we really need to change it? Because we just need, you know, whether we have this service or the traditional service, we need the Holy Spirit more than anything. It's like, yes, we need the Holy Spirit. Yes, we need prayer. But sometimes our methods are a barrier to the Holy Spirit moving. And so we need to move those methods out of the way so that the Holy Spirit can actually be given free reign and access. Well, and sometimes if you don't feel like you have a direction from the Holy Spirit, like moving in a direction, then, you know, God can shut those doors or mm-hmm. continue to open those doors. And it's kind of like that can be an answer to prayer as you're praying about it, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, absolutely. So I, so I, I think, so number one, we need to move things out of the way in order to allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit needs to do because sometimes we are so stuck in our ways that we, we have things that need to be cleared. And then sometimes the very change that we're uncomfortable with is actually the Holy Spirit impressing us. So, yeah, so prayer cannot be used as an excuse for inaction, but we need to make sure, and we will when we're on mission, be all about prayer as a, an important missional tool in our toolbox. Great. Okay. So thanks for joining us today. Uh, don't forget your questions. Um, like we said, we've had a lot of great questions come in. Um, and have a great work week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at M Lab Podcast.